Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I speak with founder of BGT People Advisory, Vivian Garcia Tunon. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you. And um, this is going to be a good episode because we're going to talk about how to get unstuck in your career. So people listening or watching right now are like, ooh, I need to figure this out. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people out there who, who d- definitely feel stuck, especially um, after the pandemic. What are some of the things you noticed that happened in the past three years now, three years, wow, uh, that has changed the landscape of people's careers and their mindsets? So I think the pandemic was an incredible opportunity for people to reimagine how they work. Um, Don't get me wrong. There were plenty of people that were stuck in miserable jobs and stuck doing work that they didn't want to be doing. But for those that were able to work remotely, they were given freedom to kind of reflect, reassess, and redesign how they work. Um, I think it's given a lot of challenges for employers, for sure, in terms of this return to work and retention and the great resignation and quiet quitting and all these different things that are My going on. <laughs> the Too terms many. are endless. Yeah. And, and I was, I was reading a lot about those a while back and how those terms, they really aren't new, right? They're, they're just no. <laughs> new names for old things. And, um, but people like to put names on things and make them a trend. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of silly. And the latest one is quiet hiring. I don't know if you've heard about what that the, one. What is that um, one? <laughs> so that one is essentially passive aggressive hiring um, where companies have just gone through a lot of layoffs. We've seen kind of tech layoffs are, yep, are pretty significant time. right now, which by it's the strange. way is yeah. also normal. No, no, no. It's it, it is normal. It's also normal. Most organizations lay off between 5 and 15% from a performance management perspective each year. This is just the media creating a little bit more frenzy. Um, and In maybe the market, they were companies yeah. that, exactly. Maybe they were companies that weren't known for this, but generally speaking, the best practice is five to 10, 15%. So, Interesting. Okay. Um, and so these are companies that are, have just done layoffs and are quietly hiring for the positions that they really need. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that kind of makes sense. It's like, let's, let's kind of fly under the radar. We laid off 10,000 people. We need, <laughs> we, we need 500. Exactly. <laughs> but let's not, but, but we that, don't want to go to those 10,000 and say, Hey, right, right. Apply. we want to, so make, it's an well, interesting well, little. So that's a, that's a good segue into my next question, which is if you're one of these 500 people, right? And you're trying to get into one of these careers, um, what is holding you back from, from getting out of a job that you don't like into one of these jobs that you may like and you might enjoy more? Like what's, what's holding people back? Why are they staying in these jobs they don't like? So I think a lot of people don't believe that they can be happy at work. And so they have a lot of of limiting beliefs around what is possible at work. I actually recently was um, on vacation and started a conversation with these two gentlemen who were executives. And they were like, well, I don't really like my job or this isn't really what I want to be doing. And I'm like, hold on. I'm like, what I'm hearing is 
you hate your job and this is unfulfilling. And what is it that you want? And they came up with all of these excuses. They're like, well, I'm too old. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an old white male. I can't get a job. All these different things. And I was what? like, no, 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 no. Who I'm are like, these people? Shut the fr- <laughs> no, no, they were, they were successful people. I will, they were, but we all have little stories as to why we can't. It's first world problems. In our career. They are first world problems. Totally. And so they were limiting themselves in actually pursuing what they wanted because they felt like they had to settle with the jobs that they had. So it sounds and like so a, quickly, a mental, a mental personal block, right? Totally. How do you get, um, pa- how do you get, how do you get past so that? I think part of it is also we get data points. So we're constantly gathering data points. Let's say for entrepreneurs, one in 10 entrepreneurs succeed. Guess what? When you go become an entrepreneur, what data point are you holding in your head? Oh no! 99% failure! Yeah. Exactly. What am I gonna fail? What am I gonna fail? Like, that's horrible. No. Um, so I think part of the problem is we don't share enough successes. And so Mm. typically when I work with clients, it's more kind of shining a spotlight on the stories that are holding them back and helping them see possibilities to align what they really want. So it, it, they're, they are outdated data points that we haven't refreshed on Google or Wikipedia. And so, um, unfortunately, there's just not a central repository for all these stories that people um, hold in their head. So I guess it sounds like people that are out there listening or watching and they're just stuck or frustrated. It sounds like they have to focus on the positive data points, not the negative ones. And then also figure out what it is they want, right? What is it? What is it they're looking for? And I guess part of that has to do with the workplace, right? Like a lot of these companies treat employees like a number. Um, let's go to the other side of the fence. How does the workplace, how do the employers humanize the people that are working there versus just treating them like another number? Well, and it's interesting today, a statistic came out that Managers are 69% um, in er, 69. They influence mental health by 69%. Oh, wow. Um, and so it literally 69% for managers, spouses, and then doctor and therapists are 41 and 51%. Ooh, so that's skewed. <laughs> As we talk about humanizing the work- workforce, yeah. managers really do have a big impact in how they treat, how they engage, and how they care for their employees, and how they kind of pave the way for them to support them. So I think what COVID and the last three years have also shown us is we really do have to care about our people, and we do really have to invest in creating a culture that matters that's going to differentiate um, kind of themselves from other opportunities. So, so it's easy to say that, right? Um, there's so yeah. many things, there's so many things that are just easy to say, but <laughs> when we have hundreds and thousands of years of horrible tactics and horrible ways of living and horrible ways of running companies and greed and stock mm-hmm. prices and shareholders mm-hmm. and p- politics and, the fact that the number always must go up, right? The bottom line, how do we make companies or employers or managers care about the people and not care so much about the bottom line? How do we make them lead 
in a positive way and help the employees have a future, reach their goals, make their mental health better. I mean, it's a lot to take on here, but that's why you're here, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, so I I think you brought up a, a bunch of different things. I think structures will change going forward in terms of how organizations are structured, funded, and kind of rewarded. I, I think what we're seeing is most employees aren't, are realizing that the money isn't worth it because they actually aren't getting rewarded for the contribution that they're making to the company. So that to me is something that dynamic, that dynamic is going to shift. I think there's going to be a shift to more private companies that are able to reward people in different ways and people feel more invested in the bottom kind of bottom dollar slash results. Um, you had another question, but I, I had a whole bunch, it. but like, I know you, you gave you, me like 10, so I need to make sure I get them Cause, <laughs> cause it's, so, cause it's so interesting to me, um, that, you know, we have this like societal norm that you work for a company, you get a paycheck, you go home, you live your life and then you go back to that job and you just keep clocking and clocking out. But how do you, how do you make the employers care about you versus, you know, just giving you that because you just well, mentioned you're getting a paycheck. Fine. I get that. But how do you make it so that, oh, I'm going to work tomorrow and I'm getting a paycheck, but I'm also going to get this if I do well and I'm, I'm going to be reaching my own personal goals. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and so I, I think the, the point that you raise is during the pandemic, we um, saw the great resignation. We literally saw masses of people leaving the workforce and it created panic and fear in the marketplace. So I literally had clients that would call me and say, oh, my God, I'm never going to find this person. And I'm like, take it easy. Calm down. So this, <laughs> exactly. Trust me. There are people out there. There are plenty <laughs> of people out there. Um, but I think through the scarcity, there was an opportunity to people to value more the talent that they brought in. And so to really be invested in under and they had to because the competitive marketplace was by the way, I had clients that were making three times what they were, they were being offered three times their right. total compensation to take another job. Right. So as much as like money doesn't talk in those situations, they do. And how do you differentiate yourself? You have to differentiate with yourself with kind of getting to know the person, what they want and advancing them in their careers. How do you do not that? Not just the money. But, but I think it's having the dialogue. So, I, so I what's your, like your phys- physically me, ask, you physically ask them yes. what is it that you're looking for? Absolutely. For me, every time we still do some recruiting um, in our business and every time we're recruiting, I go to the candidate and I say, what do you want before anything? I, again, I may have needs, but I want to know what you want, what you aspire to. And if you don't want, if you don't know what you want. Well, that's what I was going to say. What, what if that, they don't know? Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you tell them in that case? Most most people know what they want. Most okay. people know what they're passionate about. Most people know what they care about. It's just back in the day, people didn't really care to ask about those things. They cared about the job description, how it met the expectations, and if they met Growing the qualifications. Growing their career. Right, right. It was more of a factory process in terms of how you hired people rather than kind of thinking about them individually and kind of so- professionally. And we're in this new landscape now. I mean, you've just been talking about how things have changed and the pandemic caused fear and, and employers were offering three times the salaries, et cetera. And we can go on and on for God knows how long about <laughs> the differences now. So how do leaders become 
you know, the best version of themselves at the workplace? Like, what do you see like five years from now as we continue on? What should they be focusing on? Like top three things basically that could make them the best. So I, I think leaders have to continue to focus on investing in themselves. At the end of the day, um, what I saw, what I've seen in the past is leaders would get to a certain level and feel like they could check out and mm. kind of just manage the day to day. And that doesn't work. Um, no. Kind of the next generation isn't going to accept it. And quite frankly, they're not going to be as effective. Um, I think leaders also have to be kind of continuing to innovate and continuing to bring new ideas to the table. So um, surrounding themselves in new environments is really important outside of learning environments. Like the network of people that you're around will generate a lot of new ideas to help grow businesses. Um, and thirdly, I think it's have more fun at the end of the day. <laughs> like like if you're, ha if you're having fun, you are succeeding and it's much easier to succeed. The corporate environment where you can't be having fun, and I've come from some of them, unfortunately, I know what they're like. Um, that model creates stagnant results um, and it doesn't create kind of good humans, humans that are happy. And I think at the end of the day, that's something that we really have to be mindful of is what is the experience we're creating for one another in the workplace? You know, and I noticed a lot of people during the pandemic picked up new skills or hobbies, even like people learning languages or instruments where they finally got to travel, et cetera. So do you think part of it is that employers have to keep that in mind that people don't just want to go to work? They want to like learn a language. They want to maybe get in shape. They want to eat healthier. Maybe the employer can say, hey, well, look, an hour every day, here's a gym membership or an hour every day. Here's a Spanish teacher that's going to come in and teach you guys. Here's an hour a day where we're going to bring in vegan meals for you, whatever it is. Do you think they need to start doing stuff like that or are they doing that? So I would say yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> and they also have to give employees the freedom to design their work the way that they want to. Guess what? When they were working from home, they were clocking in, clocking out. Were, some, some companies did monitor and that was a little creepy what they were doing. Right. Um, taking screenshots of making sure that there was someone in front of their computer. But at the end of the day, most companies actually were incredibly successful in driving higher results during COVID. So right. engagement from home worked. I think the discomfort was the control. And mm -hmm. what we're seeing is some people can do the job in half the time. I saw people that were taking two jobs. Guess right. what? While I'm working from home, I can have two. It works. It, it works. So, uh, yeah. um, I can also be cooking, preparing my meals and taking doing... care of the kids, take walk, walk exactly. the dog. and taking a class, right? Yeah. And still deliver my results. And I think that's where we have to really be open to the flexibility of being crystal clear on what the expectations are for people to deliver and allowing them the freedom to deliver it in their way. Ah, oh, loved it. This is just, this was a, such a great episode. I think people are going to learn a lot from this one. And where can people find out more about you, Vivian? They can check me out at uh, www.vgtpeopleadvisory.com or they can always connect with me on LinkedIn. All right. vgtpeopleadvisory.com. Check it out, guys, and hope you learned something. And as always, we'll see you guys in the next episode. 
Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.